Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And now, here's this Sunday's message. There's a whole number of people that uh, I've only known since COVID began, right? And so I actually don't know what their faces look like because they've only worn masks. Now, in this past week, I've had a number of conversations where I saw a number of these people for the first time without a mask on. I don't know if you had a similar experience, but there's a couple of times where I'm like, whoa, I did not see that coming. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like um, you know, the bottom half doesn't quite match, match the top half or... I would not have put that face with that mustache, you know? <laughs> or goatee, whoa, I didn't know they even did those still, right? Or, you know, what a beautiful smile. Or, and some, some others I thought, you know, like, you might want to keep the mask on, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it has thrown me a couple times. This last week I was talking to somebody uh, who was not wearing a mask, and they were, you know, giving me an update on their life about what was happening, and I'm just like, not there nodding. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I had no idea who they were, because I didn't recognize them without their mask on. And because of that, a little bit of the confusion, I, I was having trouble placing them. I couldn't relate properly to this person. Now, I bring this up because I think it's a bit of a metaphor, because this doesn't kind of be true of our relationship with God. See, with this person, the image I had in my head of them didn't match the true image of how they actually looked without their mask on. And the same can kind of be true of our relationship with God, because we can have an image of God in our head that actually doesn't quite match up with the true image of who he is, and as a consequence, you can actually impact the way we relate to God. I'll just give you an example. Imagine if your image of God is that he's angry all the time. Well, how will that affect the way you relate to him? How will that affect the way you pray, the kinds of things you turn to him for? The images we carry of God in our lives, they affect the way we relate to God. Now, where do these incorrect images of God come from? Well, just like with masks and faces, wherever there's a gap in our understanding, we tend to fill in the blank. We fill in the blank from uh, perhaps conversations we have with other people about who they think God is. We have fill in the blank with things we hear about in church. Uh, fill in the blanks with uh, images we see in popular culture, right? Uh, we fill in the blanks with oftentimes experiences we have with authority figures, even our own fathers. Now that can be positive or negative, but all these things, they influence our image of God, which inevitably are probably a mix of true and false images. Now images of God that we see or that we might have, uh, might, we might uh, envision God as an impersonal force, like, like Star Wars, right? The force which pervades all things and is in all things, and is this kind of spiritual force, but it's impersonal. You can't have a relationship with a, a force, right? 
Or perhaps uh, we might think of God as, uh, like I, I mentioned, angry or grumpy God, right? who's inconvenienced by our prayers and our mortal concerns, like the depicted in Monty Python's quest for the Holy Grail. Or perhaps we might think of God, our image might be that he's distant and far away, unconcerned with us personally, like, a, like an absent father. Or perhaps we think of God as this kind of cosmic disciplinarian, who's just waiting for us to mess up so he can point the finger and punish us, punish us. Now, all of these images, right, if we hold them or a part of them, will affect the way we relate to God, for better or for worse. Now, this isn't just a problem for us, right? This is a problem. This is a perennial human problem, a, a problem that Jesus came in part uh, to fix, to reconcile us to God and, and, and reveal who God is, because we cannot know who God is. We cannot have a true image of God unless he reveals himself to us. And he does that very thing through Jesus. Now, Jesus, in the gospel, he's talking to the Pharisees, and these are a group of religious people, right, uh, who had their own particular image of God as somebody— as this being who rewards good behavior. They believed they had to perform to earn his approval. But that's not the image that Jesus came to reveal. And so he tells this beautiful story, right? The parable of the prodigal son. Now, many of you probably have heard this story before, and I'm just going to give a quick overview uh, there's this son, right, who requests his inheritance from his dad. And then he proceeds to separate himself from his dad's household. He goes out to a distant land, and uh, he squanders his whole inheritance. He spends it freely and recklessly. And he lives this wastefully extravagant lifestyle. Now this story, the parable, is named after this son, the, the prodigal son, Right? He then, after a life of dissipation, right, turns, becomes desperation. And then he returns to his dad, and his dad receives him and welcomes him home into his household. Now, this prodigal son is not the only son. There's also an older brother. Now, the older brother is not impressed with the way the father has responded to uh, the younger son and his life of dissipation. And he kind of stands at a distance. And he, and he himself separates himself from his father's house. He's out in the, the, the fields working, and he refuses to come in and join the celebration of the returned son. So there's an image of it. Uh, you can probably see the the uh, elder son there in the background, but kind of the top right standing. Here, let me zoom in for you so you can get a better look. There he is there. <laughs> there he is. Look at him. Just, he just kind of stands there, right? And he's looking at the younger brother, just full of judgment, right? The poor guy, all he wants to do is repent for his past and begin again. And, and that older brother is always there judging him and condemning him. Anyway, anyway, sorry, I'm getting carried away here. <laughs> it's amazing how lifelike the painting is, eh? It's great. It's amazing. 
Now, Tim Keller, he's this famous pastor, and he sums up the parable by saying this. He says, both sons care more about the father's things than they do about the father. Now, the younger son, they've, they've both actually been using the father to get the things that they want, their inheritance, money, status. Now, the younger son does it by being very, very bad. He offends his father's honor by demanding his inheritance, and then he goes off and squanders it on prostitutes and dissolute living. But the other son tries to get the father's things by being very, very good. By always following the rules, by slaving for his father, by being obedient, he wants what the father can give him, but he doesn't actually want the father's heart. And so he's incapable of rejoicing with his father over the return of the lost son. And so the fact is that both sons are in fact lost. Both sons are separated from their father. Now the thing is, though, that this story is not actually about the prodigal son. And it's not about the older brother. This story, the parable, is actually about the father. And Jesus, he's trying to teach the Pharisees, right? Because the audience he's speaking to are Pharisees in the, the context of the gospel. And the Pharisees, they're, they're, they're like the older brother. These, these men who are always following the rules and they're trying to be obedient and they're doing all the good things and all the right things. And they're judging Jesus for all the time he spends with sinners and outcasts and the social rejects, and they just don't understand. And Jesus, it's like Jesus is saying, guys, you don't get it. You don't understand. The whole reason you're living out this way is because your image of God is wrong. You don't understand the Father's heart. You don't understand the Father's longing for the lost, for the missing children. You see, Jesus, he's saying, God, God is not some kind of vague, impersonal force to whom we can't relate. God is not some kind of grumpy God who's somehow inconvenienced by our prayers and our concerns. He's not some kind of cosmic disciplinarian, and he's certainly not some kind of distant, absent being. That God is a merciful Father who longs to be reconciled to his lost children. The image of God is more like this, that this image of the, uh, of the Father from this parable is a Father who scans the horizon with a single tear as he waits and longs and hopes to catch a glimpse of his lost child returning home. That God is a, a Father who, upon seeing his son or a child take one step for him, will run to throw himself upon his child and welcome him home. A Father who has the power to restore what is lost, to receive us into his household, who opens wide the embrace of his arms to wrap us in his love and mercy and cover our nakedness and restore us to his household. He is a father 
who we might call the prodigal father. Because he spends his love recklessly and is wastefully extravagant in his mercy. This is not a parable about the prodigal son. It's a parable about the prodigal father. And the promise he offers is the promise of his prodigality. Prodigality. Is that a word? Is that a... How about prodigalicious? Eh? Prodigalicious? The prodigalicious father. There we go. That sounds weird. Okay. Um, I, for a long time, had a false image of God in my life I want to tell you about. And uh, so for me, God was an abstraction, right? He was this, a philosophical concept who, you know, the, the first mover of the universe, the ground of all being, and he created the, the universe and all that was in it and its moral law, and I had to live my life according to a system of ethics, right? Now note that that's not actually wrong, <laughs> but it's only part of the truth. Right? It, but it misses the heart, the heart of the father. Now, like the younger son who I identify with personally, I went and lived my life, a life of dissipation. I did all kinds of things that were terrible and ugly and that I regret. And as a consequence, I found myself living far from my father's house, far outside of it. And like the younger son, my dissipation turned to desperation. And one day I just cried out to God out of desperation. And over time, I felt like I, I needed to go to confession, right? The sacrament of penance or reconciliation where we confess our sins to a priest. And uh, over the years, I had banked up a whole lot of things for which I felt deep, deep shame. It had been about eight years since my last confession, I was 22 years old. Now, as I ran through the scenario in my head of what that would look like, stepping into that confessional, I was filled with terror. Right? Imagine stepping in there, and the priest, he would say to me, I would confess my sins, and at the end of it, he would say to me, oh, I can't forgive those things. You know? You're going to have to get out. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but so often we feel that way, don't we? That if we're really radically raw and honest with another human being, if we bear the, the deep, dark places of our hearts and souls before another, all we can expect is rejection and shame. You see, my image of God led me to that conclusion I didn't know God was merciful or loving. And yet, by the grace of God, by some gift, I had the strength to go into that confessional. And I walked in, and I confessed everything I'd ever committed, all the things I was so ashamed of. I was just raw and honest. And I looked at the floor the whole time. And at the end of it all, I wondered... What would he say? And I looked up into his eyes. 
And this priest, he had these piercing blue eyes, and he was just looking me right in the eyes. And he said, he said this. He said, the angels are rejoicing with God in heaven over the son of his who was lost but has been found. The angels in heaven are rejoicing with God over this son of his who was lost but has been found. And see, that moment changed my life because I was confronted with a very different image of God than the one that I had carried in my heart. And on the other side of the confessional now, as a priest, I see it over and over again. People who come with fear and anxiety, afraid of judgment and shame. People who have not been to confession in five years or ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty years who walk out totally different people than the way they came in. Having had this intimate encounter with a merciful God who never turns us away, who never condemns, who never rejects those who take one step towards him. And we want to share this experience with everybody. Jesus came to teach us the true image of the Father, but we have to experience it for ourselves. And so every year at this time in Lent, we try to make the sacraments of confession available for everyone. And so on Wednesday nights, after our Lenten reconciliation drama from 7.30 p.m. to 9 p.m., we'll be hearing confessions here in the church. And then all day the next day on Thursday, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., except for a, a brief break at noon for, for, uh, for Mass. And so you're invited to come. Now I know there's members of uh, non-Catholic religious traditions here, or people who are just exploring faith, and maybe, you know, you're not ready for that. Um, you know, sac- the sacrament is, is celebrated with Catholics. But we would love it if you just wanted to come and have a conversation, and we can pray with you. You are more than welcome. For those of you who are online, I invite you to um, you find a local parish uh, where you can go to confession. We sent out uh, an examination of conscience, which is a, a series of questions to help us reflect and get ready for the sacrament. We sent that out in the overview on Friday, so if you want, you could look at that to help prompt you about what to bring to confession. I just want to talk to the person who's here today uh, who feels like they're lost. The person who feels like they're that younger son who feels far from the father's house, like they've done some things and seen some things and they wonder in their hearts that, man, could I actually be forgiven for what I've done? And I want you to know the answer to that question is yes. It's a resounding yes. And to the the person who might feel jaded, like the older son who's been working so hard and laboring so hard and tried to be obedient, and yet you just feel so distant in your heart from your father. 
I want to invite you to come and experience the love, the, the mercy of God. See, today Jesus extends to us the promise of the Father's mercy. That all those who return to the Father will never be rejected, never be condemned, never be turned away. That he has the power to restore and make new what is, what is dead and cold inside of us. To bring us to new life. See, our God is a prodigal father who spends his love recklessly, who is wastefully extravagant in his mercy. And so come, receive the promise of the reckless love of God. Thanks so much for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Have a lovely day.